You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. This week, guest preacher Stephen Carr brings us a message about the wonders of the Word of God. All right, today, uh, Pastor Carr is going to be um, delivering a message given us from his Word, but he'll also probably entwine with that, he'll be sharing um, what God has done in his heart and has moved him and Leslie into a new ministry. If you remember, Pastor Carr uh, pastored and, and planted Bruce Outreach Center in Western Port. We've supported them um, for many years, uh, not only financially, but also through prayer. We've gone, do, did a few mission trips down there, um, different things like that. And, and it's just such a, a good relationship with with Pastor Carr, the, the love he pours out on anybody that he comes in contact with is just a true representation of the love that God has poured into his heart. So he has embarked on a new journey, him and, and Leslie, and uh, they are out um, preparing and, and, and raising funds as far as um, so they can start this ministry in September. So you'll, you'll hear a little bit about that, but he's definitely going to give us um, a message about the Word and uh, about Scripture and, and also just share what's on his heart and what God has called him into. I think um, that he is going to benefit so many pastors um, with this new ministry that he's partnering um, with this organization to do. And I, we are going to continue to support him as, as much as we possibly can in this venture because, as many know, some I get a, a wonderful privilege of doing this full-time, and many pastors don't. They're working part-time or full-time jobs, and, and then they pastor a church with whatever's left over. And, and Pastor Carl will get to go along and put his arm around these guys and love on them and build them up. And, and that's, he's going to do an incredible job at, at doing that. So um, just let me pray for him, and then I'll, I'll turn it loose to, to Pastor Carl. Father, we... Again, we thank you for your word, and Lord, as Paul told Timothy, it's, it's God-breathed. And as we look at Psalms 119 today and look at Scripture today, Lord, I just pray that you would show us. Okay, your word said in Timothy that your word completes us. It equips us for every good work. Father, I pray for the Holy Spirit to open hearts so we may hear your word today. We are not hearing from Pastor Stephen Carr today. We are hearing from God today. He's just using his servant to do so. We ask that we would all hear in Jesus' name. Amen. They gave me a microphone to use. I don't think I need it, but uh, uh, it really is a joy to be with y'all today. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in talking about the ministry. Just let me just share. I think Joe's done it for me. Joe, I'm going to have you be my hype man, man. You're going to come with me as I go and raise my support. But um, I had the wonderful privilege. God has led me. I've been preaching and pastoring for the better part of 30 years. And uh, it's a long time, probably longer than some of y'all have been alive. And uh, God has done a work in my life and heart. And so our, our next step in ministry as missionaries with Sandy Stone Ministry is coming alongside all pastors, any pastors that have a need. But the focus for us is going to be bivocational pastors. Uh, who minister, preach every week, um, counsel, um, study, visit, administrate, if there's such a word as administrate, um, all those things, and then still have to work full-time to pay the bills and still have to be a husband and a father 
and we get to love on them and encourage them. So um, it's completely free to, to uh, those pastors. Uh, we have to raise our own support as missionaries. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to Mountain City Church. Y'all have been partners with us. And uh, we are grateful for that. That means so much to us. Uh, up here are some new prayer cards. The last thing I'll say is uh, if you can pray for us, that's, I don't know what happens. I'll leave it to the better theologians. I'm a, I'm a, uh, a hillbilly preacher, uh, mountain preacher. Um, I'm sure that uh, there's those that can do far better than I can explaining what happens in the throne room of God when he hears our prayers. I can't explain it all. All I know is this, is that something happens when we enter into his presence and we seek him and we pray. Uh, so if y'all would pray for us. That would be a really big deal. Um, on the back of the prayer cards, if God leads you to individually support us, um, to come alongside of us, there's a way to do that, and it'll tell you about it. But if not, that's okay, too. I don't want you supporting what God does not lead you to support. Um, what I would love for you to do is to seek the Lord on our behalf. All right? So that's our new ministry. The goal is September 1 as our start date. So thank you, Joe, for allowing me to share those words. Uh, but actually, I came here just to share God's word with y'all today. Um, Joe told me to look at somewhere in the wisdom literature. And then he contacted me and said, well, you don't have to stick with that. We've kind of, you know, gone a different, we didn't quite go through the wisdom literature. And so do what you will. And I was like, no, man, I prayed too hard on this thing. And so I got to Psalm 119, so I stuck with it. Okay, so we're going to be in Psalm 119, not the entire Psalm. All right, for those of you who know how long that psalm is, uh, we're not going to stay in the entire psalm. But if you would, we're going to look at Psalm 119, and I'm going to highlight and go through verses 129 to 144. Before doing so, let me just share with you real quickly a humorous story about this true story. When I, when I was a young guy, I'm talking about 12 years old, my dad was a preacher, and he made sure that all the kids had to read one chapter in the Bible every day. So I found, if y'all have your Bibles with you, go over to Psalm 117. It's a beautiful psalm that lasts a grand total of two verses. And I'd read that. Then I'd goof around in my bedroom for a while. Then I'd come down, and my dad would be like, did you read the word today? I'm like, absolutely, dad, I'm in the Psalms. I was, just every single day, Psalm 117. The problem was I was stupid. I'm sorry, that's the word we're not supposed to use, right? I was foolish. I um, bragged about it to my siblings. My siblings ratted me out. My daddy found out for the next 30 days, he sat next to me as I read Psalm 119 every single day. I never told my dad, I never tried to trick him again and say I was in the Psalms. I read my chapter and got done with it. So we're going to look at Psalm 119. Uh, let's seek the Lord real quickly before we get started. God, I'm so grateful for your word. Your word is true. Your word is eternal. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, your word, as, as Brother Joe shared from 2 Timothy 3, in, in essence, it completes us. Um, and Lord God, we are grateful that it is completely trustworthy. Not just 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. Um, 
as the Old Testament writers were putting forth their, their writings, God, it is just as trustworthy today as it's ever been and will always be. So God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts through your spirit and your word. Uh, I praise you for Joe's um, prayer today. Uh, God, I am no preacher or teacher, really ultimately. Ultimately, the teacher is your spirit because you told us he would guide us into all truth. So Lord, would you guide us today? And we'll bless you for it and thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're gonna look today a little bit at Psalm 119. Now I'll tell you, Psalm 119 I love. I really do. I grew to love it even though for 30 days I had to read every word of it. Um, But Psalm 119 is an incredible chapter. The whole focus of the chapter is on the importance of God's word from a myriad of different perspectives. Listen to some of the amazing facts about this book. It's 176 verses long. It It actually contains more words than 30 other books of the Bible in totality. The one chapter has more words in it than 30 other books have in their, in their entire, entire text. It has 171 verses that directly mention God's word. And it's put in an acrostic form um, where the Hebrew alphabet went through and each letter represented the beginning of another section of Psalm 119. So there's a total of 22 stanzas or 22 verses, uh, 22 um, um, groupings of eight verses each. So there's a rhyme to it. There's a, there's, a, there's a flow. There's a rhythm to it. It's almost like someone went to the psalmist and said, how much do you love God's word? And the psalmist said, let me count the ways. And he just went through Psalm 119. For whatever reason, he felt the leading over and over and over again, talking about the trustworthiness, the, 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 the results, the power of the word of God. So today I want to look at these verses. I'm gonna isolate these verses. And the sermon title in essence is The Six Wonders of God's Word. The six wonders of God's word. Now, can you come up with a bunch of others? Yes. Please don't look at me as your seminary professor who can say, these are the only ones. But from this text, I find six wonders of God's word. Remember the old seven wonders of the ancient world? These are some some wonders of God's word. I'm sure if you're not one who claims to be a follower of Christ, you won't understand what I'm about to say. But for those of you who are, Uh, Have you ever stopped once in a while and were just in absolute awe of God's word? Have you ever been to that point? Maybe Pastor Joe is preaching and he brings something from God's word and you go, whoa. Y'all ever been there? I hope more than a couple of y'all. God's word is incredible. My dad is with the Lord now. I remember coming over and seeing him. He's my hero in the faith, I'm telling you. He's an amazing man of God. I came over and he was living with us because he was dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's. And we came over and he's sitting in the middle of the living room floor at six in the morning with two different Bible translations, a Bible commentary and a Bible dictionary. And he's like, 
I come in like, Dad, what are you doing? And he looks up at me with a fevered look in his face. And he said, Son, God's word is so deep. I'm never going to scratch its surface. And he had been studying God's word for over 60 years by then. Tell you, my friends, God's word will put you in awe. It's amazing. It's like his love letter, God's love letter to us. So let me share with you why the psalmist loved God's words. Let's run through this, all right? Six wonders of God's word. Number one is it gives sight to the simple. It gives sight to the simple. Look at verses 129 to 131 with me. It says, your statutes are wonderful. Notice statutes is another word for law or commands. You'll never hear the psalmist say, oh, your word is such a, um, a joy stealer, God. Your word is so cumbersome and your word is so hard. Now he celebrates God's word. And he says, your statutes, your word, your commands, your law, they're wonderful. Therefore, I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. There's an unfolding. God's word unfolds things for us in our lives. How many of y'all read a scripture when you were young? And then years later, you read it again, and somehow it takes a deeper meaning. It takes a deeper hold in your heart. It because, it's because it unfolds for you. And I promise you, the longer you walk in Christ, the deeper God's word will get for you because it unfolds. It's kind of like, you ever, you ever use a GPS? Without a GPS, I, I'm in trouble. Right? I do a lot of traveling, and people think, man, you got a great natural direction. I'm like, no. GPS, put the ad, follow it, all right? Uh, but you notice that the one GPS I have, I think it's uh, at, um, maps. You can scroll on the top and see what the next steps are to see what route they are taking you. But there's another one that doesn't do that for you. You literally have to take it a step at a time. It won't, it won't scroll for you. You got to just trust that the next step is right, and the next step is right, and the next step is right. But as it unfolds, you find yourself getting to your destination, and you didn't realize it when you started, but you put your trust in this silly little phone that has some kind of satellite connection that is taking you to where you need to go. God's word is that, except God's word is eternal. God doesn't have technological glitches. And when you are going from point A to point B, he unfolds that for you. His word is like a lamp unto my feet, meaning he doesn't give you the whole light. He gives you what you need for today to walk in his ways because God always leads us in the way of life everlasting. He unfolds that for us. And the word simple here in verse 130 in the Hebrew is pethy, which refers to a naive child. So it actually gives understanding to a naive child. Even a child can benefit from the word of God. Folks, have you ever noticed how much kids can really grasp hold of God's word because they just trust? 
whatever it says. Leslie, do you remember the time we were having this big debate in the car? And we were going up the mountain. My daughter's about eight years old at the time. And we were debating way back when. She's now 27. It's like 20 years ago. We were debating whether or not someone needed to believe in, the, like to believe the doctrine of the Trinity to be saved. And we were going at it. And Joe kept saying, but dad, but dad, but dad. And we kept saying, nah, wait, wait, wait. Adults are talking, right? When we got done, she finally, we said, all right, what, Joe? She says, but dad, didn't you say on Sunday when you preach that all you need to do is confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then you are saved? Does that, does it say you have to believe in the Trinity? And I thought, oh, be quiet, girl. Because she was absolutely right. My friends, God's word, it literally is, gives sight to the simple. God's wonderful word can give sight to someone with a PhD and give sight to a young child. Oh, my friends, I, I have people say all the time, Joe, I'm not sure if people say this to you or not. They'll say, um, God's word, I have a hard time reading it because it's hard to understand. No, it's not. Now, there are parts in it that they're from God. So God's brain is a little bit bigger than ours, so we may not be able to fully comprehend. But the problem isn't that we don't understand God's word. The problem is we don't do the things we do understand from God's word. Does that make sense? Like, like, like if all, what are the things we understand by God's word? Go into all the world. Make disciples. Um, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Take, take all the bases. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, have everlasting life. On, if you just take the scriptures that we understand and live them out, church, we would change the world. You would see a radical change because just the stuff, Joe, just the stuff that is the low-hanging fruit, the simple can grasp, it would change the world as we know it, I believe. So it gives sight to the simple. Verse 132, it gives grace to the guilty. Turn to me and have mercy on me as you always do to those who love your name. I always love people debating about religions and which religion is best. And I went on visitation once back at my first church many years ago. And the person sat there across the kitchen table from me and said, Preacher, I'll go to your church if you can answer me one question. What is the difference between what you claim you believe and every other religion out there? And guys, I answered it with two words. Empty tomb. Empty tomb. You know, every other religion is about obeying God as you see it, obey as they see it. Obey God in order to get right with God. And Christianity is about God making us right with him and then we obey him. There's a huge difference, guys. So often we run around thinking we somehow have to earn God's pleasure. And guys, we don't earn his pleasure. We try to please him because we belong to him. Every other religion is about how, God, how we can get to God. Being a Christian is about how God 
gets to us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. You know, God shows us grace and mercy, doesn't he? Y'all know there's a difference between grace and mercy? There is a difference. They're not like the same. Grace is getting something you do not deserve. Mercy is not getting something you do deserve. We get both from God. We get salvation. We get his love. We get his kindness. We get all that gives every good and perfect gift comes from him. That's his grace. The fact we don't get eternally punished in a hell that we deserve on our own is his mercy. He withholds that from us. So God offers, God's word offers grace, mercy to the guilty. We're all guilty of treason against our creator. If we received this perfect justice, we would be eternally cast out of his presence. But if we receive his perfect grace, we will be eternally brought into his presence. And see, without the Bible, we would have no way of discovering God's gift of grace and how to access it. We would know, Romans 1, we would know things about God. But without his word, we would never know that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We would never know how to come into a relationship with God. We would never know his purposes for us. We would never know those things without the word of God. What a wonderful, wonderful gift from our Savior. Number three, it gives footing to the floundering. You like that for, uh, for, for trying to put those alliteration together? Footing to the floundering. I worked hard on that floundering one. Uh, <laughs> direct my steps, verse 133. Direct my steps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from human oppression that I may obey your precepts. Notice he doesn't say save me from human oppression so that I can be rich and comfortable and happy and healthy. He wants to be delivered so he can obey God. Make your face shine on your servant and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law is not obeyed. God's word gives us a firm footing. It instructs us in his ways. It teaches us the impact of sin. It teaches us how to have victory over sin. It teaches us the results of sin. It teaches us we have a purpose. Ephesians 2.10. We love Ephesians 2.8 and 9. We're saved by grace through faith, right? It's a beautiful scripture. I stand on it. But verse 10 says there's a reason why he saves us by grace. And that reason is for good works he has prepared for us since before we were even in a gleam in our daddy's eye. Before we even came into existence on this planet, he had a plan for our lives. He teaches us, the word teaches us that he has gifted us for those things. Everything we need he has given to us to accomplish what he desires for us to accomplish God's word teaches us his plan for us and to bring his glory, to bring him glory and to be in his presence. We literally become trophies of his grace. I'm fine being a trophy of his grace. I, I, I want the angels to turn to God and go, how did you do that with Stephen Carr? It's his grace. I'll be his trophy. Because what are trophies? They're awards. They're like symbolic of accomplishments. I'll be a trophy of the grace of God. It gives footing 
to us who flounder and all over a place in life. It gives us a foundation of who we are and why we're here and what we are to accomplish. Wonder number four, as I hasten through, I want to honor your time. It gives a reason to do right. Verses 137 to 139. You are righteous, Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. My zeal wears me out, for my enemies ignore your words. The psalmist makes it clear here. He knows what is right and what is wrong. And you know what is right because of the laws of God. God's law does not change because our opinions change. We do not have the right to rewrite the scripture of God in order to fit our contemporary days. It is above our pay grade. Now, you can choose to reject it. You can choose to turn from it. God, that's, that's, that, you can make that choice, but that does not make God's word less right, less accurate, less true, less righteous, less holy. It just makes us really good at sinning. Humans have a difficult time with moral choices today. We live in a world of, of, of postmodernism. It teaches that there is no God, there's no absolute right, there's no absolute wrong. You've heard this saying, that's not my truth, that's your truth, or, or um, there's no need for um, 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 objective truth, all truth is subjective, all that kind of stuff that goes into the culture we have today. But listen, my friends, God's truth is truth. The thing about truth is this, it doesn't care about your opinion at the time. Let me give you a quick example. How many of y'all had to pay taxes? All right. Date comes each year. You got to pay taxes. Now, what if you get up one day and say, I hate paying taxes. I think they're wrong. I think it's wrong to pay taxes. We should never have to pay taxes. Do you still have to pay taxes? It's still truth, right? It's still there. I've been with people that say, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Well, I'm sorry. At some point, truth is you're going to die. Just because you don't like it, your opinion doesn't change truth. And God's word is truth. His ways are right. They are fully trustworthy. There's a whole group of Christianity or a sect within the Christian, Christian world um, that actually believes that we can find new truth. Or we can have a deeper, a new revelation. And folks, God's word does not need any help or any completion. It is completely accurate. It needs no assistance from anybody else. It is true regardless of one's belief. And we have a reason to do right because his word you can trust. It is like having a rock in the middle of the ocean and your ship has been capsized, and you don't just have a piece of wood to hang on to. You have a big old rock that comes out of that water, and you can hold on to that thing, and you can trust it. So God's word gives sight to the simple, grace to the guilty, footing to the floundering, reason to do right. Number five, it gives direction to the dying. Verse 140, your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. Though I am lowly and despised, I do not forget your precepts, your law, your commands. 
Your righteousness is everlasting and your law is true. My friends, God's word has been tested. People have been trying to prove God's word wrong for centuries. I love studying the history, history of archaeology. Doesn't that sound weird? The history of archaeology. Can you know how many times archaeologists, scientists have claimed that the Bible's wrong because there's no evidence of this, and no evidence of that, and no evidence of this ever existed, and no evidence? Guys, give it time. They always go, oops. We just had a major discovery that proved that that actually happened. Oh, really? For years, people have been saying God's word doesn't exist because there's no town called Nazareth. Now they have so much evidence, they're trying to figure out which Nazareth we're going to look at. Folks, Lee Strobel, any of y'all read, read Lee Strobel, like Case for Christ or Case for Faith, anything along those lines? Uh, in Case for Christ, Lee Strobel made this startling comment. Um, he was trying to prove Christianity wrong because his wife just got saved, and he thought he was a victim of a bait-and-switch by his wife. I didn't marry a Christian. So he is an award-winning um, investigative journalist and a licensed attorney. And he went out, and he was going to try to prove Christianity wrong. When he got done, he became a born-again Christian. And this was his line in the, in the book. He says, after reviewing all the evidence, I have discovered that it takes more faith to reject Christ than it does to accept him. That's powerful, guys. God's word has a track record. It is true. And God blesses those who are righteous, who follow him in his word. It's everlasting, and his law is true. Look, God's salvation, listen, God's salvation happens in three stages. It's one salvation, but it happens in three stages. When, when you're born again, he's blood-bought you. You're justified. You're declared not guilty before him. You, you literally are declared righteous as if you have never sinned, which is crazy. He does that for us. It's called justification. We are saved from the penalty of sin. Can anybody say hallelujah? Oh, come on. Can anybody say hallelujah? Woo, saved from the penalty of sin. You all must think the penalty ain't that big a deal. Trust me. Big deal. Saved us, all right? Part two is called sanctification. That's a 50-cent word. It means we become holy. We're being saved from the power of sin. We're growing, and we're having victory, and we're, we're stronger. How many of y'all aren't perfect yet? Come on, wise. Make your husbands raise your hands, okay? All right. You're not perfect yet. However, are you more like looking a little more like Christ now than you did a year ago? Two years ago? In five years, we're, 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 we're being sanctified. We're being made holy. In his positionally, we're declared righteous. But now he's in the process of making us into his holy, unblemished, spotless bride. He's working on us. Amen? And then the third salvation is one day. It's called glorification when we're in the presence of God. See, we're, we're saved from the, the penalty of sin, the power of sin. One day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. It's all his one, his salvation. They're just in stages as we go through. See, the enemy cannot change. If you're a born-again Christian, he cannot take that from you. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm sorry. I hate to, listen, Romans 8 says we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So you can go ahead. If you're born again, you can say I'm going to turn my back on Jesus today. But I promise you, he has said it's been determined you will look like Jesus. So you can go willingly, or you can go kicking and screaming. I've done both. 
it's a lot easier to go willingly because he's going to conform us to his image. So he can't take that away. He can't take our eternal home away from us. But you know what? He sure can mess with our lives, can he? And try to make us completely uh, ineffective as believers because we don't grow in power over sin. We allow sin to control us. And so we need his word. And it gives us direction as we are dying because we're all going to be facing God one day. And it tells us how to live our lives and, and the purpose for which we live them. Last wonder, it gives strength to the suffering. Verses 143 and 144. Trouble and distress have come upon me, but your commands give me delight. Your statutes are always righteous. Give me understanding that I may live. You see, trouble there actually can be, mean adversary or enemy. And distress or anguish there means stress or pressure. So it can be translated there, my enemy and extreme pressure have come upon me. Have you ever experienced that sometimes? Just overwhelmed. But your commands give me delight. You see, God says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many of y'all physically have gone without eating for a day or two because you were sick or you were fasting? I know, that's an evil word in Baptist circles, fasting. Um, you know, you, you've gone without food. And, and, and don't you start feeling kind of weak? Like, my wife can say, can tell when I haven't eaten <laughs> all day. I've become a little bit kind of grumpier, stressed out. She'd be like, have you eaten something today? I'm like, no! <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen the old Snickers commercials? You're not quite yourself when you're hungry. And then when you eat, and then all of a sudden you... Um, spiritually, we eat by what? God's word? And some of us Christians go without eating all week. We come here and get fed by Pastor Joe and by, our, by small group leaders, and we get fed once a week, and then we don't eat for six more days. And then we wonder why we're struggling in the spirit. Amen? It gives strength to the suffering. Guys, God's word gives sight to the simple. Who here feels simple sometimes? Yeah, you go to it. Fine, yeah, thank you. Somebody said thank you. <laughs> Me too. How many of y'all feel like naive children sometimes? Oh, uh, yeah, come on. We know in this world, right? God gives sight. God's word gives sight to the simple. He gives grace to the guilty. Who needs grace? He gives footing to the floundering. How many of y'all are floundering sometimes, kind of just losing your, your bearings? He gives reason to do right. He gives direction to the dying and strength to the suffering. I close with this. I want to be real careful we don't turn into legalists. I, I want you to understand something about God's word. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And then it says later, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten. Folks, Jesus is ultimately the word. So I can replace all these and simply tell you today, Jesus gives sight to the simple. Jesus gives grace to the guilty. Jesus gives footing to the floundering. Jesus gives a reason to do right. 
Jesus gives direction to the dying and Jesus gives strength to the suffering. My friends, we have people that can claim they read the Bible from cover to cover and they can be real legalistic about it. But I'm here to tell you, apart from the Savior, apart from the Savior, you can read the word over and over again, but apart from the Savior, you're not redeemed. You know people that can be smart? They can quote things, but they've never been transformed by the Spirit of God because they've never been born again. My friends, I want to encourage you today. Love God's Word. Embrace it. If you're a born-again Christian today, if, 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 you, if you have come into this saving knowledge of Christ and a relationship with Him, I challenge you. There is, this is a rock. This is a life preserver. Put this thing on and hold tight to it and dive into it. When Brother Joe preaches, man, you, you, you take notes. When Brother Nate shares God's word, when, he, when we're leading in music, man, just, just take notes down. Write that. Just soak it in God's word. And listen, my friends, if you have never entered into a personal relationship with Christ, I promise you God's word is true. Um, but just the head knowledge of God's word does not transform a life. I hope today you'll make it a point to go to Pastor Joe or someone in this church and say, I need to know more about this personal relationship with Christ. My friends, I pray God blesses you and you are in awe of his word. God bless this church, would you please? Multiply the impact of their ministry, not for their sake and not for your glory, not for their glory, but Lord, for your fame, for your glory, for your honor. And Lord, I pray you would win people to Jesus using this congregation. And those that know you will come to a deeper knowledge of you, a deeper relationship with you, so they too can look at your word at the end of their lives and say, God, your word is so great, I'll never be able to scratch the surface. And the cool thing about it is we don't have to, because one day we'll be in the presence of the word. We'll hear all about the precious word of God from the word himself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.